Today's guest is Matt Crevin. He's a guest lecturer at colleges and universities. He's a former youth sport coach, sports coach. <laughs> He's a published author. His book is titled Get in the Game. And he's a legendary <laughs> longtime NFL stadium announcer. Uh, last but not least, he's the CEO of TalkShop. And uh, with his company, his goal is to, I'd say, by using real-world practical concepts, uh, focus on supporting students or graduating adults in the lost art of face-to-face -face communication. I uh, really enjoyed my conversation with Matt. It was very, very insightful. I uh, learned a lot about him, the sports world, and so many other things. And he also dropped a few uh, life gems as well. So uh, enjoy the podcast. We're all set. So again, Matt, thank you for taking the time to get on the podcast. I love what you're doing. I love what you've accomplished. I love what the company you're you're running right now represents. Uh, so, you know, thank you for blessing us with your presence. And I think a lot of people can learn a lot from you and, you know, take away a lot of inspiration from your story. So thank you. Of course, Michael. No, looking forward to it and happy to be here. The feeling is mutual. So can we, I would love to touch base on actually just having you introduce yourself because uh, I think you can do a better job than I can. Uh, so if you don't mind, just introduce yourself and just touch on also um, your company and sure. what you guys are, the amazing work you guys are doing at TalkShop. Absolutely. So again, happy to be here. My name is Matt Crevin, and I'm the founder of TalkShop. Uh, originally a Bay Area native, born and raised uh, just east of San Francisco uh, in the East Bay Area, for those that are you know familiar with that part of the, uh, part of the country, but uh, currently living in Seattle. And uh, again, founder, founded TalkShop just coming up on about a year and a half ago. So it's, uh, I guess, still a, a, new, a new venture. TalkShop is just me. Uh, yes, I've got some interns and yes, I've got some folks that are help supporting me uh, in certain elements, but really, truly, it is a solo venture, which is uh, something that at this point of, uh, of my juncture, where I am in my, in my career, where my life is, is just really exciting. No, that's, that's, that's amazing. And Matt, in getting to know you, uh, obviously you've, <laughs> you've developed, you've developed, deliver, excuse me, you've delivered uh, guest lectures at colleges and universities across the country. You've, you've hosted your own radio show. Uh, you spent a couple years, almost a decade as a, as a sports, as a youth sports coach. Um, you're tenured NFL stadium in answer. So you've done a lot. Um, so there's a lot to, to, to dig into, but let's start from the beginning. So, um, obviously right now you live in Seattle, uh, but you did not grow up in Seattle. So can you touch on uh, where you grew up and, and, and kind of how it was for you in your childhood growing up? Yeah, no, absolutely. And all those things that you mentioned in terms of the, you know, the pieces of my business background, that those are all things that have led to what I'm doing, which maybe we'll get into later, but sure. yeah, my childhood growing up, I grew up just East of Oakland. Uh, most people will know where San Francisco is on a map. Oakland is just east. And I grew up about literally seven miles east of Oakland uh, with an older brother. Uh, parents are still married to this day. So I grew up in a, in a pretty solid foundation. Uh, learned a lot 
and still continue to learn a lot, both from my parents, uh, how they handle their life uh, personally and professionally, uh, you know, being able to see what I see and hear what I hear growing up as a kid. Um, and I think the most important thing about sharing with others about my personal you know, experience growing up is even though we were shielded, if you will, from you know, being downtown Oakland or being in any downtown city across the U.S. where you see different things, uh, my parents, are, you know, brought us into San Francisco a lot, brought us into Oakland to see different cultures, food, uh, theater. Uh, and my mom knew both my brother and I were, how do I say this nicely, kind of sports knuckleheads. That was what we liked. And so I think in a way she said, look, I'm going to make sure that I offer some balance, whether she had that mindset or not. Uh, I'm glad she did. But going to into San Francisco to see like, you know, matinees, I'm like, oh, my brother and I were cringing away. Why are we going to see a play? Can't we just go out and play ball or watch a game? And my mom was pretty insistent on, you know, taking us to different restaurants to experience. Um, you know, I, I remember one, it was called the Soul Kitchen in Oakland, uh, and just to experience different foods. And you know what? I'm glad she did. So that was kind of the house I grew up in was pretty, uh, you know, fairly open-minded. I don't want to say progressive at that point, but looking back, I'm kind of glad my mom and dad did those things for us. No, absolutely. And then moving into, let's say high school, did you, when you think back, did you, can you confirm if you were already getting the sports bug back then, or when did you really start uh, leaning into sports or getting attracted to sports? Ah, uh, it's a funny question. You know what, just Michael, what comes to mind right away is uh, there's always, when I realized I had a, a sports bone in my body and there well, pretty much every bone in my body was sports, but it was literally playing tether ball for those that can even think back to what that was like uh -huh. in the schoolyard. It was just a ball on a rope and you could basically hit it as hard as you could to get it wrapped around the pole before the other opponent it was just one-on-one -on -one. and I would go out there with just the streak of I don't want to lose and I don't know where it came from uh you know my dad was a high school and college athlete my mom was I guess competitive in her own way so obviously I'm a mix of that that's where it started so we're talking grade school so I had that sports bug early through all the little league sports I could you know there weren't many you know in the early to mid 70s there was little league soccer always little league baseball yeah I played flag football and then high school it just progressed to, you know, what seemed to come naturally for me, which was soccer and baseball. Okay. Um, and then that kind of morphed into a nine-year rugby career towards the end of high school through college and after college. So sports as an athlete has always been something that's been a part of me for sure. Sure, sure. And then the sports in any way, shape, or form, I know obviously your mom, uh, you told, you mentioned earlier about what your mom was more focused on while you were thinking about sports. Um, did sports run in any way, shape or form in your family? Did you have any cousins or uncles or whoever from either your mom or dad's side, uh, that was interested in sports? Yeah, no. And there, and, and I didn't know that until later, uh, you know, and again, I'm just going to share a quick story just in my immediate family, my dad, who again, still alive to this day, which is great. Uh, he's going to be 85 next month. He oh. didn't really impress upon my brother or I that he himself was a high school athlete and he himself was a college athlete it just was interesting that we learned about that later on he didn't push us he just said look you know he, later on he said look you don't I wanted you guys to fall in line with what you know what you enjoyed but so growing up with it yeah and then knowing now that you know he was a baseball and football athlete in high school ended up playing college baseball at the University of Washington up here in Seattle which is kind of 
ironic that I live here now. I didn't. So that's another another topic. Right. <laughs> then on my mother's side, yeah, there were some uh, there were some definite basketball genes uh, from the East Coast, uh, just outside of Boston and Brockton, Mass. A uh, lot of family history and lineage of basketball athletes on my mom's side. So pretty clear, you know, how that kind of uh, dropped down to, I guess, me. Okay. No, that makes sense. That, that makes a lot of sense, actually. And then so moving from, from, from high school into college, looking back, where would you say your head was at at this point? Were you looking to actually build a career in sports when you were in college or was your mind totally somewhere else? Yeah, that's, I wish I knew where my mind was at that point. Um, uh, kidding, sort of. Um, no, I think at that point I was always, I had a sports focus, but I knew that uh, from an athlete side of it, that it wasn't going to go you know, too, too far. Meaning I wasn't going to make a living being an athlete. Uh, I was certainly good at what I was doing. Uh, really started to pursue rugby, was traveling internationally, got some, you know, uh, worked hard at it, got some good, you know, acclaim, if you will, in that sport, but there's no money in that, so to speak. I was doing it because I literally had a pure joy for the sport, for the camaraderie, for the life lessons that come. Uh, rugby is very, very unique in that, in that realm, getting to travel to states in the U.S. that I would never have seen if it weren't for rugby, traveled internationally, played in six countries if it weren't for rugby, but I knew that the athlete side of it or the athlete side, but wasn't going to, you know, amount to vocation. So, but I did was always keeping my, what can I do that would keep me involved in sports? That was kind of where my mindset was at that. Hopefully I didn't completely miss your question, but that oh, was no, always no, no, in the back of my head for sure. Well, absolutely. You did, you did not at all. Um, and then, so in graduating college, once you graduated, what, what did you, what, what did you get into at that point? At that point, I was getting into more of the public relations side, meaning how can I leverage some skills that I had as raw as they were at that point? Knew, just I know that they needed to be refined, but what could I get into that would touch on my ability to just partner, to collaborate, to talk with other people and not really being afraid to get up and, and deliver a message, whatever that message might be, whether, you know, back in the day of being a team captain and addressing your your teammates or just, you know, talking to adults or whatever it might've been. I wanted to kind of refine and build on that, but do it within a sports realm. So it's like, okay, what, what could be, what are some potential matches? So kind of got into the public relations realm and wanted to focus on sports, public relations. That was kind of, you know, that popped later on. That was not anything that was in my, in my view uh, early on, but towards the end of college, that's where it kind of, came to fruition, if you will. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then in, in your opinion, obviously you've been around the sports uh, world for a while now. How has sports changed in your opinion over the years for the better or for the worse? Oh man, that is a, uh, how do they say that, Michael? That's why they pay you the big bucks to ask <laughs> these tough questions because it, in my humble opinion, it absolutely has changed. Not only uh, the games or the sports on the actual field or court, but the way the businesses are run from the upstairs piece of it, the offices of it, and more, I guess, most importantly, where I think it's changed is the coverage of sports, meaning, you know, the broadcast, the television, the social media has completely changed the way the news cycle as a whole, but let alone the sports news cycle. I was just, if I could, I'll just share an anecdote oh, with please, you. Please, please. 
uh, is just last Sunday, just a few days ago, I was down at the uh, 49ers game. They were playing host to the Seahawks, and my former boss was actually there. He was back doing some consulting with the team, so it was great to catch up with him. We were just chatting, you know, before the game, we're, we're having lunch in the media room, and he's like, you know what, back in the day when I was, you know, head of the PR department with the 49ers, and this is with guys like Montana, Steve Young, Jerry Rice, Ronnie Lott, you know, a who's who and Hall of Fame athletes now. He said that was my job is to kind of oversee and work with them and their media obligations and their day-to-day assignments. He said now each and every one of these star athletes in almost every sport, men and women alike, have their own handlers, have their own PR person, have their own social media person to just kind of run that piece of the athlete's business. He said that in and of itself is just a major, major difference in the way sports and the coverage of sports uh, has just evolved. And of course, you know, you get into the, the game itself and sure it's changed, you know, rules are always going to change to try to keep athletes safe, regardless of the sport, but the coverage of, and the social media aspect of sport now is just vastly different from even when I broke in 29 years ago. Right. Absolutely. And, and it's, it, no, it's what you just said is, is very true. Even barely 10, 15 years ago, you know, when it comes to, like you said, social media, it was a completely different world. Right. Um, and then imagine if we go back, like you said, 15, 20, 25 years to when Michael Jordan was playing all the other great athletes, you know, I can only imagine how it would be if they grew up in this time. Yeah. You know? I mean, and we can use MJ. I mean, I, I mean, I love every, I love Jordan, you know, grew up watching him as a kid. I mean, let's just use Michael Jordan just for an example. If I can run this out, I'm probably going to beat it to the ground, but uh, anyone that, you know, <laughs> likes sports, you know, everyone that likes sports or, you know, the coverage of it will understand it. I mean, look, Jordan was known to, you know, be a massive golfer and sure, you know, it's just the most uber competitive guy ever. And, but back, I can't remember what playoff. Uh, and, and if you follow Jordan in the bowls, maybe, you know, this more than I do, Michael, I, I can't recall, but there's a playoff series and maybe he was, maybe he was in New York playing against the Knicks and he, you know, after the game drove down to Atlantic city and did like a gambling, you know, gauntlet for himself till the wee hours of the morning. You think about if there were phones, meaning cell phones and the Instagrams and Facebooks and the Twitters of the world back then, how explosive that would be. Now, there's now you go to today, and I'm sorry to bring up something that's not so savory, but Urban Meyer, head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, right. he's had great success in college. You know, look, what just came out for him just this past week, cell phones are everywhere. People are videoing everything 24 hours a day, as sad as that is. That's just kind of the reality. You have got to be more mindful now than ever before, even as a teen, just as a student, let alone a high-profile athlete or coach. Look, and that's just another case of how PR, if you will, bring this back full circle, how PR has changed. It can be so much more crisis management now than it is promotion. Mm. Sad, but true. That is very true, actually. That's a really great point. And that actually leads me to my next question. Uh, that's a great point and segue you just made because my question to you is, you, you've obviously been around a lot of athletes. You've seen a lot of them come and go. So if a rookie walked up to you today and said, Matt, you've been in this game for a long time. You've, you've been around some of the best players to ever, to ever walk, walk the planet. What advice would you give me what, what would you say to that rookie? 
Boy, there'd be a couple things. I think I would obviously lead with, you know what? You don't always need to be immediate with an answer. Okay. It's okay to sometimes pause and reflect. Think about something before you actually say it. Because in this world of things are taken out of context and then you're immediately, what did I just mention a minute ago? You're immediately into crisis mode of, no, that's not what I meant. I didn't mean it. Yeah, that's what I said, but it was taken out of context. To alleviate those things, I would recommend a rookie to say, look, just breathe, take a pause. Just because someone's got a microphone in your face does not mean you always need to give an answer right then and there and say, hey, guys, or, or if it's you know a group of reporters, hey, look, you know what? I just want to take a quick shower. I will be happy to chat with you guys. Give me 10 minutes. Even if you need 10 minutes to just decompress after a game or if it's the, during the middle of the week, just be careful. Just be mindful of your words because it is, you know, everyone's just in attack mode and things are twisted and turned so easily. And then again, you just get right back to, well, that's not what I meant. And, and it's just, it's unfortunate, but that's the way things are covered. Not just in sports and business, political, you name it. It's just, I would give that recommendation of, you know what, or even work with someone like myself, not to be shameless that way, or work with a media consultant of, you know, there are good and bad ways to handle yourself, whether it's through the media uh, or just through your teammates, just be mindful, be aware that the landscape has changed, but there's ways that you can handle yourself in a positive way. Sure. Oh, that's a, that's a splendid, uh, that's a splendid answer. Um, and I'm actually curious. So obviously when it comes to sports, when you're a sports team, you need a coach and coaches play a big role, obviously in the success of each team, just as much as the players do. So how did you get into coaching? Because I've mentioned earlier, you spent almost a decade as a youth, youth sports coach. Yeah. So this is a two-part question I kind of have for you. And you can take your time with answering each of them. The first part of the question is, how did you get involved with coaching? And the second part, which I can ask again in the future, that way you don't forget, is what are some of the traits of a good coach? Um, because I'm sure there are going to be coaches that listen to this either now or in the future. And uh, I would love for you to kind of leave some gems uh, with them as far as what it takes to be a good coach and what, what, what to look out for uh, when it comes to coaching either your adults or kids. Yeah, well, the first question is, how did I get into coaching? Uh, and I probably will have you, Michael, rephrase the second one when I get sure, done, but sure. uh, of how, what kind of tips would I give today's youth coaches? I got into it, uh, number one, uh, my first job, first and foremost, and if I were to put it on a resume, is parent. That's absolutely my first responsibility and my first true love and joy. I'm a dad, single dad of two boys. So I got into coaching because my older son was interested in sports. So I did it uh, right around the time, a couple of years after I'd moved up to Seattle. It was a good way for me to meet other people. Uh, I absolutely, you know, being an athlete myself, it's a lot of fun to not just, you know, go out there and, and try to live vicariously through your kid, because I actually done it myself, which I think made it made me in a way uniquely positioned to coaches. I, I didn't want, I wasn't coaching these young kids to be star athletes. I wanted them to have fun, learn how to compete, and then let the rest just kind of fall where, where it may. So that's kind of how I got into it is because, you know, they're always looking for, you know, any community is looking for youth volunteer coaches. And it's a, and I love working with kids. It's kind of goes, you know, maybe we'll, well, I know we're going to talk about it later. And in terms of my mission and vision with Talk Shop, it has a lot to do with just being of service to today's kids. So that's kind of how I got into coaching, but I did not, Michael, coach just to go in and coach my kid. Now, I don't want to throw 
a number of people under the bus and it's not about that, but there are those anywhere in the US and probably abroad that will coach because they just want to coach their own kid. I make, a, I make that an emphasis because I, I went very firmly into this as much as I love my own son. He's not the only kid on the team. And so I just didn't want to be, quote unquote, that dad mm. coach just because my kid was on the team. Right. Um, I absolutely you know, love what youth coaching is all about. And that is developing leadership, developing some character on the field, but off to always keep these kids well-rounded. It's not just about the wins and losses when you're just a little league baseball player. It's just learning how to play the game and, you know, learning how to do some things in a fun, but positive way. So that's the first piece. The second piece uh, in terms of what would I, I think you said, well, how, what would I share? What nuggets would I share to today's? Right, coaches? right. Right. In your opinion, what have, what are yeah. some traits of a good coach and uh, what are some of the nuggets? Yeah. Like you said, that you'd share with future coaches or current coaches? Yeah, keep it positive. It absolutely has to be kept positive for these kids. It's, uh, it's like any, it's like being in a, in a boardroom and having a, an executive meeting. Everyone around that table is going to have some strengths and weaknesses. Uh, everyone's going to have ways to be developed. Everyone's going to have a different and unique way uh, where it's a message is going to resonate to them versus someone else at that same table. Coaching youth, especially kids, there's going to be some kids that are a little more sensitive. They don't want to be yelled at by a coach. That's not why they're there. Uh, they want to be heard. They want to, you want to give them a chance to speak, but, but set, some, set some pretty basic ground rules first uh, and just kind of go from there. But, but give them the opportunity to be a kid. Listen, everyone wants to be heard. And, and so that, those are kind of just a few things and just don't come at it because you want to, meaning the coach, because you just want to win at all costs. Youth sports is just, uh, I don't like the way it kind of turned and twisted uh, towards the later end of my own son's, you know, youth, youth sports journey is it just was all about winning and pay to play the select and travel element of, of sports now, which is just, I'm against that. I don't like it. I don't care for it. I think it sends all the wrong messages to, well, if you can afford it, you can play on this team. Uh, so sorry, I'm going to get really soapboxy on that answer, but uh, oh no, I no, please, I don't want to stray from what do I think, you know, in my opinion, makes a good youth sports coaches, you know, look, have some real grounded principles that the kids will, that they can adopt easily enough over time, uh, teach them and develop them some good skills, but don't make it all about the wins and losses at that age. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's really, really, really great advice. Uh, I love what you said about the different coaching styles because some coaches seem to obviously take the more aggressive manner, which is, you know, yelling and, and uh, screaming and, and, and being very adamant that, you know, you made a mistake or whatever it is. And then other coaches seem to take a different approach, which is, you know, the more calm, um, reassuring demeanor. So it's, it's good to hear you touch on that and, and the different styles and, and to, to make it known that, you know, you don't have to be yelling, you know, you don't have to be screaming, you don't have to be aggressive uh, for your words as a coach to be heard. No, yeah. and it, like I said, I tried to make the connection as wrong or as right as some people might think that is, but between coaching youth sports and being in the business, you know, being in a round table, being in an executive level meeting, it's everyone's going to have a, a different way that's, that's going to create a response. Right. And if a manager or a director is pounding his fist or her fist on the table and being extremely demanding that might work for some but it certainly is not going to work for others so you got to 
you got to play to your audience and just, right. you know, you have to understand the, the, the differences of the personalities on your team, just like you would understand the differences of the personalities on your work team. It's the same to me. Sure. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, as a public address announcer, a lot of people might look at that and say, that seems so unattainable. I want to be a, a PA announcer. Um, I want to get into sports. I want to get into business or whatever, you know, um, career field they want to get into, it might seem unattainable to them. So for you, um, how did you get into public address announcing? And uh, what would you say are some of the obstacles that you faced in getting that job, if, 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 if any? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question. And I always love talking about this because it's, it's uh, what do the cool kids say in the hallways? This is my hustle or side hustle. Sorry, I can't keep up right. with all the lingo, but it is a absolute, you know, wonderful hobby job of mine uh, that I do not take for granted. Uh, I got into it was I think your first piece is I had started with the 49ers 1991 92 as an unpaid public relations intern. So I got exposed to a lot of different elements of the business side of football the broadcast piece, the media piece, the player relations piece. And on game days, um, I was there at a specific role upstairs in the press box. And after the game, I had a specific role in the post-game locker room, coordinating interviews between the media outlets and the players, whether home, home team or visiting. And then about six years later, I'm still maintaining my, you know, my, my role. Uh, there was a public address announcer. And it turns out I know, I know who it was. Uh, it was a guy named Stu Smith. He had passed away. And, and I went to my boss at the time. I said, look, I think I would really enjoy this. And I kind of was a little, maybe on a tad bit arrogant. Uh, I said, but I think I could be pretty good at this if you'd be willing to give me the opportunity. What, what, what do I need to do to audition for this? And he said, you know what? No, I'm glad you brought it up because it is something that we need to you know, handle. And they had a stopgap measure uh, for like the last three games. They brought someone in that had done some announcing somewhere. And so but I got, I put my name in right away. And so that was key just to not be bashful. So that's the key lesson is if you think you want to try something, let someone know. And that's what I did. So I went through the audition process and thankfully it was internal. So I was already a known person to the, to the 49ers. So that was a, a huge plus. Uh, and, and then I just kind of did some studying of what does it take to be successful at this? And how do you make enunciations? How do you learn? What are the steps to learn, you know, any tricks of the trade, if you will. So I kind of did, did a little research. Now this is pre-internet too. So a little different types of research at that point. So that's kind of how I broke in to doing that was there was an opportunity that was presented and I put my name in the hat to audition for it. Uh, did a little study and prep ahead of time. And, and then just, I had fun with it. And I went into it with that mindset is that I don't want to be nervous, even though I was, but I wanted to just, the way I got geared up is I just want to have fun. And that kind of internally that relaxed me and it let me flow. And I think that's what it is. And I didn't try to pretend to be anyone other than just my own voice. And, you know, you can't replicate, you just do what you do and, but be good at it. So I hope that answers the first piece. I know there was a follow-up, Michael, but I'm going to have you rephrase it for me. Oh, no, no, that was, that was, you, you answered that uh, beautifully. Um, the follow-up to that, the question was just the fact that a lot of people usually feel like they, they, they want to do something, but they're scared or they feel like it's unattainable. So uh, what advice would you give 
to people, and this is just general life advice, what advice would you give to people that might have a career in mind, that might want to start a business or whatever it is, but feel like what they want to do is unattainable? Ask someone that's doing something similar to what you want to do or exactly that you want to do and, and ask them to share a conversation. Then when you get on that person's radar and just say, look, I want to learn from you. You are doing something similar that I would like to do. I just would like to learn from you. Would you be willing to share a conversation? And that's classic networking 101. Then from there, have a good series of questions about, well, what is it you want to learn from this person? You want to learn the things that maybe he or she could share, like, what can you let me know that other people wouldn't know about what you do? I always like that question because that just makes it real. Right. It's easy just to say, oh, well, you know, you go online and research a few things and that's what it takes. No, ask that person, ask him or her, you know, what are some of the things that you didn't know going into this role that you can now share with me? And, and if that person's worth, you know, worth a grain of salt, they're going to, they're going to call, do what I call just pay it, you know, pay back or just, you know, pay it forward, whatever the term is of just letting right, the next right. generation know the realities of this is what it takes to be successful here are some things that I didn't know going into it that I would share with you. And so that's, you know, and that just goes with any, any job, whether it's, you know, doing PA announcing or, or any work, any line of work. I think that's always going to be the number one advice that I would give is to find someone that's doing what you're doing or something remotely similar and just have a conversation, but express that you just want to learn from them, that you're intrigued. You'd like to, you're ultimately leaning towards doing something similar to what you're doing. Would you be willing to share some insight for, you know, with me? And most people will. No, absolutely. And I, I love your answer because that actually ties very well into the amazing work that uh, your company is doing. So how did we get to Talk Shop um, and what was the inspiration for, for your company? Yeah, I'll try to keep it short and sweet, but you know, you had mentioned it on the very, very front end of our conversation here today. It's is you know the combination of a lot of what I've done and that I'm continuing to do has kind of led me to launch Talk Shop, and it's a combination of not just the sports background that I have; it's a big piece. Um, but let me just start with that. I remember when I first got into that NFL environment and being in the locker room with these players that I mentioned earlier, the Joe Montana's and the Jerry Rice's and the Steve Young's of the world that are now Hall of Fame athletes, I was in the same locker room, the same room with these people. And my manager at that point said, look, we hired you as this season's intern because you came across as a confident young kid because that's kind of what I was. Not arrogant, but calm. And they said, that's what it's going to require. And if you can't, here's the door that, you know, you have to just exit the door that we brought you in. And they said it, with a, you know, a, a smirk on his face, but also a, a tinge of seriousness. So it put me in a position to develop the skills fast of how to be clear and confident when working with not only the players on the team, but the members of the national media, people that I've, you know, grew up watching and listening to on TV and radio, but I had to be confident and clear in, in my, the way I was communicating with these people day in and day out. And so that is literally the cornerstone of what Talk Shop is. And my mission statement is extracted straight from those days with the 49ers and the things that I still continue to learn at the 49ers. But my mission statement is to develop today's students to communicate clearly and confidently, regardless of the situation or setting. Now, I take that from my days at the Niners, but I also take that because you asked, well, what's led me is it's a combination. My sports industry you know, experience, 
my corporate world experience, which to me, it's always been how I've been able to communicate with others internally with meetings, externally with uh, whether it's prospects, with vendors, with clients, uh, high stake, high emotion type conversations, or how do you, how, how have I been able to take and receive feedback, which is very hard for a certain amount of people, but also how to listen. I take those key lessons that I've learned in my corporate background and not to name drop, but with companies like FedEx, companies like Microsoft and companies like Franklin Covey over the time of 25 years, I bring those real life practical application elements as to why this is an important skill that I bring that. And the third piece is I mentioned it earlier is I'm a parent. I'm a single dad of two teen boys, 13 and 17 as of today. And I bring those three key elements because as a parent, I see and hear what a lot of parents across the country see and hear in terms of the way our teens and the way our young adults are communicating predominantly online and shying away from the ability to have real conversations. So it's just those three big pieces of my background that led me to this. Yes, there was a couple of you know, lightning rod moments, and I'll share with you quickly that kind of said, okay, I want to do something about this. And that is the youth coaching that I've done over the years. And I stopped coaching youth baseball and youth football. God, it's been about seven years, but I saw the very front end of how kids were just on their phones, whether it was team dinners, they were all at a table having pizza and they're all on their phones, almost ignoring someone right to the left or the right of them. And I just happened to see that and say, God, that is so bizarre to me. Then that led to being involved as a community resource, just as a volunteer at my local high school in a mentor-mentee program uh, up here in the Seattle school area. And I, I had like three or four students that I work with every, every year. For, did that for a couple of years. And that was where I really, really said, okay, there's an issue. This is concerning me as a parent. And I think I'm well qualified to come up with a solution to attack this. And that's, that was kind of what it was, was. And I said, look, I want to restore or develop the lost art of how do we have conversations with clarity and with impact because it's needed. So let me stop there for a second because I get a little too long-winded, I know. Oh, no, please. please. I got a lot of passion about, obviously. So no, you're not. Please. Please. So I just, you know, again, that's kind of what, what brought me to it. But the more I looked into this and the more I, I relied on my background, I said, okay, I think, I think I've got some, a unique qualification set that can bring some true insight uh, I like working with the, with the kids. It's always been something that I've done. And so that I was at ease with that. And I said, I, I just want to come up with a, a really strong solution to this ever increasing issue. And so that's, uh, that's kind of, that was the impetus. That was that lightning rod moment. And I thought, you know what, there are so many places where conversations and the skill to have a conversation are important for teens, learning how to advocate for yourself at home, within their family sphere, whatever that might look like for them. Um, at school to improve their academic results by learning how to advocate to their teachers, to their professors. In high school, to learn how to have conversations and share your story with confidence to college admissions officers. And then when you're in college, how do you share your unique story? How do you share your true value when you're looking to network and interview? These are just a few samples, Michael, of where being able to have conversations with clarity and with confidence and with impact are going to come in pretty handy and it's needed. You know, absolutely. And I love, 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 love what you just touched on a couple minutes ago when you mentioned online and how everybody, you saw all the kids on their phones. 
we, we live in a day and age right now where social media has completely taken over our lives. I feel like we rarely communicate anymore. We rarely meet in person and we definitely barely call each other. Now it's at the point where somebody's calling your phone, you're kind of looking and discuss why are they calling you? Um, so, so true. in our everyday lives, in your opinion, based on your amazing company, the work you're doing, what can be done to improve confidence and communication skills, especially among the youth, um, our teenagers, young adults, fresh grads, even adults as well. There are a lot of adults that don't really have the proper um, confidence and communication skills to survive in the world. Um, and we see this in their personal lives, either they're not able to negotiate the proper pay at a new job, or you know, there are so many different ways it, it affects us in life. So mm -hmm. what would you say if you had to give advice regarding um, ways to improve confidence and communication skills just in our everyday lives? Yeah, change is uncomfortable for a lot of people, right? Uh, and this is asking today's, you know, emerging adults, today's teens and college students to make a change. But to put into some habits into place now, that's why I, I like to my first program that I offer through TalkShop is a high school program that's geared specifically for high school students. And that is, you know, I'll give you an example. I, I challenge, you know, any participant that comes through a workshop privately or a group session to, you know, a series of challenges. And my stuff's very collaborative. It's very interactive. And I actually get them talking, which is the whole point. But they need to make, they need to start. And number one is uh, one challenge, for example, Michael, is look, you know, who here has had a text or a direct message, you know, stream within the last 24 hours? Of course, everyone raises their hand. Great. How many of those have gone back and forth more than two to three exchanges? And of course, they all raise their hand and say, great. The next time that that happens, which could be about five minutes from now, pick up the phone and call that person. And they look at me like uh, I'm a ghost. And I say, that is just one example of, you know what? Have more conversations. Does it, do you need to pick up the phone and call every single person every single time? Well, no, of course not, because I know kids aren't going to do that. But pick your spots. If something's not clear to you, or it's just going back and forth and it's, it's not, again, you're not getting anywhere, pick up the phone, have the phone. Another example is, you know, if you're at a family and you guys are going to have, you know, order dinner in one night, have, have the actual student make the phone call. I yeah. did that at home a year ago and my kid looked at me like I was nuts. I said, nope. <laughs> I said, no, no, you want to order tonight. This is on you. Here's what we do. I'll be right here. But pick up the phone and use the phone as an actual phone. Those are, it may seem so silly to do that, but it's, it's about putting some really small habits into play now. So those habits become skills. And, but you, that's kind of how I, I start into it real small. Right. But to, for them to understand, well, why is this important? Because a lot of high school students are bulletproof. They, well, I don't need this. I said, well, I beg to differ. Right, show of hands. Who here would like to have a job someday? And they all raise their hand and say, great. What do you think it, it takes to get a job? And they kind of look at me with this bewildered look. I said, look, you're going to need to interview. And the last time I checked, you're not going to really be able to interview and be clear and have your message be understood clearly. You can't do that over Snapchat or Instagram. You're going to need to learn to communicate with someone, to listen to a question, respond to it, offer detail. You can't just do, yep, got it, cool, or use an emoji. You need to right. communicate. So I just use that as an example. And I think that kind of resonates with most kids because that's no, just, so anyhow, uh, I hope that I, I hope I didn't miss your question. But no, 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 you didn't. That, these that, are all that. a series of habits that 
Um, and as long as they get to a certain degree what's at stake, and I don't use that term what's at stake to be a threat, but for them to know what's reality, this is what's happened, this is what's going to happen. Why not prepare them now? No, absolutely. And that actually reminds me of, of a question I wanted to ask you, ask you, which is you're a sports person. Did you, looking back, would you say that you implemented any um, sports ideologies, either knowingly or unknowingly, into the creation of your business? For example, the Black Mamba mentality, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody loves it. Kobe's trademark uh, 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 saying, which is, you know, fight, persevere, uh, don't, give, don't give up, keep going. We can all relate to that, you know, sports uh, motto. So, you know, in looking at your life right now as a business owner, would you say that being around sports for so many years, would you say that rubbed off on you in the creation of your business and, and, and how you kind of implement your strategies to grow your business? Oh, without a doubt. Um, I, now, uh, I'm not a comic, but I do understand the three rules of comedy. And those three rules are know your audience, timing, and delivery. Mm. Uh, and so I have to always know my audience. And these are, you know, for the high school workshops, these are high school students. For my college workshop, they're college students. So I'm aware of that. But yes, anytime that I can bring up an analogy that is going to tie my love and, and interest in sports where it makes sense, then I absolutely will. And let me give you an example of what I mean by that. Uh, I was just delivering a workshop down in the Bay Area. Uh, it happened to be to uh, a group of uh, a young men. And I think more than three quarters of that group were all lacrosse players. So I knew that going in. So I knew I could kind of toss in some analogies that would make sense to them and, and tie that together with sports. Now, if it's delivering to a girls group or if it's delivering to a group of guys that just aren't sports kiddos, you know what? It's not going to play. So I, I have to, again, put those three laws of comedy into play. But I, I use the examples uh, as sports where it's where it fits. And I say, look, you know what? Uh, do you think, you know, they're all going they're all leaving after to watch the football game. I said, do you think these football players just show up on Sunday and, and put their helmets on and go out there and, and do their job? Or do you think that they practiced all week? Oh, mm. uh, no, I practiced all week. Yeah. And do you think that they've practiced since they were probably in high school to become a NFL player? Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that their 40 yard dash time is any different now than it was when they're in high school? So the, I make these points to say, look, you put these habits into place now, continue to refine them, then they become better, you'll become better at it, you but you need to start to put some work into it. So there's tons of sports analogies that I can put into this, uh, for sure. Um, and I'll just kind of add one other bit because it's, uh, you know, something that I, that I always conclude any of my workshops, whether it's the high school program, the college student program, or even my parent education series, because I am a football guy and a sports guy as a person, um, I always, I just love to end with it. And I, I don't throw out cliches and quotes throughout my workshops. That's not what it's about. But to your point, it's like, yeah, I always kind of leave uh, my workshops or conclude it with a, with a quote. And I always say, hey, show of hands, does anyone know the name of the trophy that's handed to every Super Bowl winner after the Super Bowl each and every year? And some people kind of look around and, you know, typically someone says, oh, yeah, isn't it called the Lombardi Trophy? I said, that's right. Do you know who it's named after? It's maybe someone will know Vince Lombardi. Some kids may not. 
you know, say Vince Lombardi. He was the first, you know, legendary head coach of the Green Bay Packers. His teams won the first two Super Bowls. Not only was he a wonderful coach of men on the field, but he was a wonderful, you know, developed a lot of character. And anyone that plays for him that's still alive will tell you the stories of what he did and how he treated them as men and how he led and, and how character was so important to him. And so I always end, you know, a, a workshop of mine with one quote. It's the only quote I use throughout. And, and it's, and it just always has resonated with me. And it's so in tune with my mission at talk shop. And I always say, look, here's a quote that I want to end with. And it's be, be mindful of your actions because they become your habits. And then be mindful of your habits because they become your character. Mm. And to me, that always is, is so encapsulates in a way talk shop. And that doesn't necessarily have to be a sports cliche quote. It just happens to come from a, from a famous sports coach. Right. No, I, I, lo- I really love that quote a lot, actually. And that leads me into my question about your business. So what is the vision uh, for, your, for your business? Obviously, you guys have an amazing business model. Uh, and I'm just curious for people listening out there, where, what is, where are you looking to take uh, your business either in the near future or in the distant future? Yeah, no, I appreciate the question and also appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit about Talk Shop. It is something that is near and dear to me and it's just me. Um, I like to be transparent that it's not a, uh, a large entity with a lot of business partners. Uh, I get to make a lot of decisions on my own in terms of the content, the delivery, the fee scale. So uh, truly being my own solopreneur, if you will, or entrepreneur in this realm. But where I want to take this is as I mentioned, I've got a, a specific workshop that's geared just for high school students. I have a workshop that is geared specifically just for college students. They're both from a high level, both about building effective communication skills. No two ways about it. The high school program is more of a foundation of, well, why is this important? How do you put into place the three C's of effective communication? How do you become clear, concise, and confident? Uh, the do's and don'ts, if you will, of social media. How do you have hard or difficult conversations, which parenthesis is inevitable in life, but how do you have those? It's kind of a grounding of how do you communicate clearly uh, right now in high school, but if you put those, put these into place now, you'll be better off. The college program is again, effective communication skills, but as it relates to a job search process, getting yourself ready, how do you share your value, your brand? How do you do that in a unique, confident way when you're given the opportunity? So we've all heard the cliche of you got one chance to make a good first impression. I just add the, why not be prepared? And that's what Talk Shop's all about. So uh, where I'm looking to take this is not just from a regional perspective of up and down the West Coast, uh, where you know we're currently, I'm, I'm doing a lot of work. Over the past year, I've done a lot of Zoom sessions in various cities across the US. I wanna continue that. Uh, and quite honestly, uh, Michael, my, my programs have been a better fit so far with groups that are on the periphery, meaning outside, they're community-based groups, not directly working with high schools because it's hard for them to carve out a 60 to 90 minute patch during the day right. to, to, to take my workshop. So I'm having better success with boys and girls sports clubs, you know, travel sports, select sports, um, groups like, not the name drop, but you know, National Charity League or Young Men's Service League, these altruistic, you know, parent uh, son or parent daughter groups, that's where I've had good success and certainly looking to, you know, broaden that a little bit as well. The college, same, you know, looking to get into the business fraternities across 
across the, you know, across the country, social, you know, Greek life, uh, student run business clubs. Those are all, you know, in great alignment with what I'm doing. So uh, I hope that answers it, but no, yeah, it I'm all, you know, just looking to, you know, it's, a, it's about planting those seeds and, and then, you know, putting the work into it. No, it does. It does. Thank you for that. A uh, great answer. Uh, and then how can people find your business? Yeah, the first, and I guess the best source, and certainly, you know, we were joking about social media, about, you know, the do's and don'ts and how it's really taken over the way we all communicate. Of course, I do use social media myself, which is kind of interesting, but I use it uh, as a business format, not, not anything else. But my website, I'll repeat it twice uh, because it is a different URL. It's talk shop. So it's T-A-L-K and then S-H-O-P, all one word, talkshop.company not.com, but talkshop.company. And then on the website, anyone that wants to follow my Facebook page there or on Instagram there or my LinkedIn profile there, all of those elements are all on my website. So again, that's talkshop.company. And then obviously people can reach out if they want to shoot me a direct email. All of the information there is probably the best single source. So that way someone wants to email, they can someone wants to connect with me on LinkedIn there, they can. So that that would be the best place. Okay, perfect, perfect. And uh, I have two more questions for you. Sure. And uh, I'll ask them now and I'll ask them again. The first one is, what advice would you give to future business owners? Because there are a lot of people, especially, you know, during the pandemic that kind of woke up and realized, you know what, I don't want to do this nine to five thing anymore. You know what, I don't, I'm not happy with my job. I want to find a different job. And there are a lot of people who are fearful to start their own business because they're either scared they're going to fail or people are telling them that it's not going to be successful. So just based on your experiences, what advice would you give to future business owners that are going to hear you talk and say, you know what, I want to own my own business like Matt owns his own business? Um, what advice would you give to them? Yeah, there's uh, that's a good, uh, excellent question. Uh, and I always, I jokingly say it, but it's true is, you know, being in business for yourself is both scary and exhilarating all at the same time. Uh, can't pass off the buck to anyone else. It's, it's you. So what I've learned is certainly I had my mission. I've got my vision. I, I, I'm always looking to execute it uh, in a better way. So I'm saying all that is it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to outsource certain areas that are not within your wheelhouse, that are not just the true core competencies. So for let me, I always like to say, hey, for example, so for me, you know, I, I get great energy and have a deep passion for actually delivering. I love facilitating. I like the delivery of it because working with the kids one-on-one -on -one or in group settings is what I absolutely love to do. So I also know that I'm not the best at, you know what, I have to get on the radar of parents of all these community-based groups that I just mentioned in terms of the business development activity. Um, I know how to pick up the phone. I know how to talk with people. I know how to send clear, concise messages, but I don't know social media. And that's where a lot of people are right now. So hiring some interns, giving them some practical experience, and they've got that skill set that I don't. So I've learned it's okay to outsource certain areas because you cannot do it all um, as a business, as a single business owner operator. When I say single, not as in relationship status, but single meaning it's just you. So uh, I've learned that it's okay to outsource. Uh, so that that would be a big thing. And, you know, some people need to outsource, you know, the financial piece or the bookkeeping piece, uh, whatever it is that you just that's not your core competency or you don't have a deep desire to want to learn how to do yourself. 
outsource that. Find someone that can support you. Uh, the other thing I've learned is to um, ask people for feedback, but don't ask people that are in your inner circle. And the reason why I say that and make a strong point of that is those people are just going to want to say yes. And we've all heard yes or on yourself with yes people, but ask for some feedback on your concepts, on your ideas, whatever it is, but ask people that are two or three people removed from someone you know, so you can get the whole purpose of getting feedback is to have it be constructive. So you can Absolutely. learn how to execute better, how to do some things differently. And so I, I continually do that myself to people that don't necessarily know me because I want the real, I want the unfiltered because there's only one way I'm going to get better. And that's by getting that feedback. So those are the two things that uh, two pieces of advice, I guess that would uh, that jump out at least initially. No, I, and that's, that's, that's amazing advice. Um, because there are a lot of people, like I said, that are out there right now looking to start their own business, looking to make important decisions. And uh, someone like you that's very well accomplished, obviously, the world wasn't uh, super easy for you. And you, you were able to conquer and, and get to where you are and, and uh, you know, came up with an amazing business idea that you're implementing and uh running so i just wanted to to get your thoughts out there on that and i'm sure a lot of people are going to appreciate uh your words of wisdom uh my last uh question and the, the the floor is open to you after this question is uh what life advice would you give i know that you work with um high school students college students new grads uh people that are just brand new to the workforce mm -hmm. So what advice would you, what life advice would you uh, to give them out there that are, that are just breaking into the, to, into the workforce and they're looking for someone of your stature uh, to kind of guide them along the way? What would you say? Oh man, Michael, why are you so good at asking the loaded questions? <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, my, I'm going to go with my gut and that is, okay. that's an expression I use uh, and I'll back it up with a real life example, but no one starts out as an expert in anything. And I often use that frame to frame up a conversation with a high school student, but more likely a college student because they're, it's more of a career comment, if you will. But no one starts out in whatever their field of it is as an expert. So be willing to learn from some others. Uh, be willing to accept that, hey, you know what? You don't know everything about that. And I know that's just a, maybe there's some entitlement that's changed over the years in today's young adults where they feel like they know everything or just want the results immediately. Sometimes that may not happen. So let me back this up by just adding one more piece that is, I'm sure. just such a big believer and it's, it's done nothing but wonders throughout my career is finding people that, you know, create a good inner circle, call it your advisory board, call it what you'd like, but people that you can continue to learn from, people that you trust, but more importantly, that you'll trust will give it to you real and not just what you want to hear. Uh, and just asking people to share a conversation, whether it's over the phone, FaceTime or Zoom, not over text, not over email, or better yet, in person when people are comfortable with that. And if you're a college student, ask to meet and just ex explain to them simply, clearly and confidently, look, I'm a college student. I'm studying XYZ. I know that you, you know, are doing you know, similar work and you've been doing it for a while. I would really like to learn from you. Would you be willing to have a conversation with me? 
just that piece of it alone is showing that you've got some hunger to learn from some others that have been doing it. Learn from them on what works, learn from them on what hasn't worked. I think we'll prepare someone for just that dose of reality that I think we all need. So that that's my gut reaction to that question is, uh, and I hope that makes sense. No, it does. It does. I, it's, it's a perfect answer, actually. And just to piggyback on that, I always tell people, you know, one of the biggest issues that we, we all face is, is a fear of failure. Right. And it's, it's calcifying because a lot of times we don't know we're scared. Um, so I always tell people, don't be scared to fail. Even Michael Jordan, uh, I don't think, it, I, I think he actually got either cut from his high school team because he was deemed not good enough to play. Um, same thing with, uh, you know, we can go on and on Jeff Bezos. Oh, yeah. We have pictures of him in his, I don't know, basement or living room, just barely 20 years ago, working on, um, Amazon, same thing with, uh, Steve jobs. He got fired from Apple. Imagine being the <laughs> owner of a company and getting fired. And, uh, he came back and, and created one of the biggest companies in the entire world. So don't be scared to fail. And that's what I always see when it comes to people that are not successful. There's just fear of failure. Um, now, there are other reasons why, you know, people don't succeed. But for me, based on what I've seen, that's one of the biggest things, in addition to all the things that you also mentioned, Matt. So, um, again, thank you for, for, for sharing all your words of wisdom. And uh, I want to leave the floor to you with any closing words um, about your company, uh, about yourself. Uh, so if there's anything else you want to say, please, please, uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, no, I appreciate it again. It's uh, been fun to be on with you, Michael. I appreciate the opportunity to just chat with you. And it's kind of what I do. It's all about the conversation. And so, again, if I were just to offer a quick summary uh, of, of why I created and why I founded Talk Shop, and that is because I want to develop what I feel are some really, really important life skills in today's emerging adults, teens and emerging adults. And that is the ability to communicate with others. It's a skill that is needed and it's needed now more than ever. And that's why TalkShop is here. Uh, for those that want to you know, learn a little bit more about what my private coaching sessions look like or what my group workshops look like for whether it's a full intact sports team or a full high school class of students or just a small group of 10 neighborhood friends that wanna do something together, whatever the case is for parents of high school students, talkshop.company, is the website. Please feel free to reach out and let's set a time to uh, get on the phone and we can talk. Uh, for those college students, the same. They may not see it now, but uh, believe it or not, they're trying to get prepared for a for career. And I think what I've got going can be a nice little augment, a nice solution that will really help truly create a separation and or a differentiator for them. Because when you've got the opportunity to meet someone, if they meet with you, Michael, um, we all are making first impressions. Like I mentioned earlier, you've got that one shot to make a good first impression on someone, dot, dot, dot. Why not be prepared? And that's what Talk Shop's all about. So uh, without overspeaking that, um, that's my platform. Uh, I, I take this uh, so, so seriously with a deep drive, but I also have a lot of fun with it because you do need to take a light approach to certain things at certain times. So uh, that's the balance I bring to Talk Shop. And would be happy to talk with anyone that's interested to learn more. Absolutely. And Matt, thank you again for coming on the podcast. Looking forward to having you on again in the future. Um, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. 
Thanks, Michael. Happy to be here.